Thank you for listening to the Conform to Christ podcast, where we seek to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. I'm Jay Jones, and I'm here on a text-driven Tuesday with George Mays, who I will be interviewing about his sermon Sunday. Hebrews. Yep. Chapter 3, nearly the whole chapter. Yep. So where where uh, can I direct people to go ahead and turn in their Bibles so they can get ready? Uh, Hebrews chapter 3, um, verse 7. Okay. Where, we, where we'll start. How far are you going to go? Uh, chapter 4, verse 2. All right. This is a weird one. A weird break. Well. And it's not for me. I may understand it, but it's a weird little. Well, uh, so this is the second warning passage. Right. So um, there's five warning passages. I would say that the book is structured around these warning passages, uh-huh. that they're the main point of the book. Mm-hmm. So chapter 2, we saw the first one. Chapter three and four is the second one. The so whole it's, thing. it's a long, it's a big one. It's yeah. a long warning passage. So the the chapter break itself is weird. Do you think the guy was like, well, first off, to clarify this every time because it's a shocker to people. Yeah. The chapter divisions are not in the Greek manuscripts. Right. Um, that was put there by um, I can't <clears throat> remember his name. Yeah. But much much later, mm-hmm. just for ease of navigation, you think he was looking at it and he's like, man. This chapter's getting long. long I got to put it somewhere. Where'd I put Maybe. it? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. It's just to help you turn, be able to turn there in your Bible. Right. But as you read it, you can you can clearly see. I mean, it's unquestionable that right. it's the same it's the same argument. Yes. There, there's no shift. That's right. In, there's no shift in the... So you, the next three sermons will be over this warning passage? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just far too long for one sermon. Uh, there's, there's just so much in there. We probably could have... Yeah split it even more um but just holding it together trying to get the the main the main emphasis of the argument so and there's there's debate over where the the warning starts how far it goes i'm going with it starts in chapter 3 verse 7 and it goes through chapter 4 verse 13 that's that is that's where i think the the warning that's i think that's that's the warning yeah um but There's some uh, there's some interesting. I think every I think almost every commentary I saw split it up as three seven through three nineteen, uh-huh. and then four one to four ten, no, and then eleven to thirteen. But I I looked at it and I thought you know what I I really think that verses one and two of chapter four would fit well with with what's going on. If somebody's listening, what what commentaries do you like? Maybe they want to read a little more. Um, well, goodness, I've, I've got a lot. Um, I've really been enjoying the uh, the ESV commentary series. Uh-huh. It's a newer commentary series, and I, I don't even think they have. I don't even think it's complete yet. Who wrote this one? Who's on this one? Uh, this was uh, Dennis Johnson. Okay, wrote uh, Hebrews right. for this one. Isn't there one uh, kind of a newer one too by? Um, you, one of your former professors. I've got Tom Schreiner's. Tom Schreiner's, Tom Schreiner's is really good. I've heard that one's mm-hmm. pretty good. Tom Schreiner is really good. Um, oh, what's his name? I've got one. So Spurgeon didn't write. He only wrote a Psalms commentary. Mm-hmm. I think that's the only commentary he actually sat down to write. Mm. Uh, but um, Phil Johnson and some others, they set out. You know, Phil Johnson is a big Spurgeon guy. Um, they set out and they... They 
kind of gathered and collected um, what Spurgeon said about different books, mm-hmm. and they put it into a commentary. Interesting. So I've got a Spurgeon commentary. Okay. It's, uh, you know, quote unquote, a commentary. Take pieces of his on, on Hebrews. Um, now it doesn't. It doesn't deal with, um, you know, the grammatical right. side. It, it doesn't deal with the technical side. There's not. You can't look. You can't use that as all right. How, what's the flow of this passage? Because it's just pieced together. Right. It's, it's like a just jigsaw puzzle. Um, but it's it's helpful because um, you know Spurgeon has a lot of good things to say. Yeah, yeah. It and is. it's it's very pastoral. Um, yeah. Can be very devotional. Um, so that's a good one. Uh, I mean, there's John Owen's got one. Uh, Pink's got one. Um, I'll I'll look at those Calvin, um, yeah. So okay, cool. but there's I mean, I've got a stack, <laughs> I've got a stack of Hebrews commentaries, <clears throat> but there comes a point where it you uh, you can read too many commentaries, at least in my experience. Right. So you sit down, you read through it. Uh, last night I I went through it in the Greek and and tried so for for this next Sunday. Mm-hmm. So I, I start working on my next Sunday sermon, mm. usually on Sunday night. Mm. Um, started working through the Greek, um, reading through it, trying to make kind of a, a very loose outline, and then I'll, I'll start to read commentaries. But after a while, they all start sounding the same. Right. It's like, eh, I don't need to spend time reading all of these commentaries just because I have them here. Right. If they're all just saying the same thing. Sure, yeah. Uh, you know. I think I've got it. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, we'll jump in here. I'll have you read here in a second, starting Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7. If you have a text open, we'll show it on the screen if you're watching on video. But, George, I'll make a confession to you. It was really hard for me to pay attention yesterday because yeah. I was really tired. But I made it. I never fell, I never fell asleep. I don't know if you good. saw me back there. But I did not fall asleep Yeah. Um, because... The listener doesn't know, but our sprinkler system broke. Mm-hmm. Well, it didn't, yeah, a part, te- uh, it didn't freeze. It froze four years ago. That was a nightmare. This <laughs> one's not as bad, but it is pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. So it's Saturday, I'm coming into town. I had to pick some stuff up from Lowe's fire department, or the uh, alarm company calls me. They're like, hey, we got a water flow detected. That means the sprinkler is open. Mm. She said, like, what should I do? I said, well, send the fire department. So I legit thought there was a fire because we've taken all, we've put all these things in place where they're like, there's no way the pipes are going to freeze again. <laughs> right. So I'm like, oh, there's a legit <laughs> fire. There's a fire at the church. <clears throat> um, run over here. I'll probably make it here in six minutes. Fire department pulls in as I'm pulling in, come in. I see just water just coming out of the church door. Take them over. We turn the sprinklers off. A actual part just came apart. It didn't freeze. It didn't bust. The pipe just came out of it. Ridiculous. <laughs> of course it did. Yeah, of course. I, you know, I've been in this building for six years, and there has been three floods. Mm-hmm. Three floods. I've seen. Well, more we got pipe. all the stuff fixed. Where the first flood can, can never happen again. We right. fixed all of that. Hey, never well, say I mean, never. never, say say never. never. <laughs> if it rains, if it rains enough, it's impossible. I mean, you can't yeah. hold the water back right. to come in from outside, but. Everything that we could do to make the church upgraded, right. we so, did. Okay, still so, happened. So a mock a. So our fir- the first flood that I experienced was five years ago. 
and it was sewage. Mm -hmm. It was the city, the city sewer line backed up into the church. Yeah. Amake calls me Saturday, and he says the alarm, the fire alarm's going off, and I smell something. <laughs> and I thought, oh no, <laughs> oh please no. <laughs> yeah. I never want to go through that again. That was that was really real bad, nasty. Man. Yeah, that was that was really bad. So we, you know, we do all the water mitigation stuff's going on. I came up here, um, and I so Dave Dave would been up here like all day long. So I was like, just go home. I'll stay up here till they're done. The water mitigation people. But we had we had some issues with our fire alarm system itself. Like yeah. kept tripping. Right. So this is why I couldn't sleep. So go home. It's like one o'clock. I call the people. I'm like, leave it in test for eight hours, which means if it pops, it won't call the fire department. Yeah. So I'm laying in bed all night long, and I'm thinking, <laughs> oh, it's not really a malfunction on the heater, because it was the heater oh, yeah. that was tripping it. I was like, it's going to burn the church down. <laughs> That's what I was, I, was thinking, I was thinking about it all night long. <laughs> Jay, and, uh, Jay, I, maybe I shouldn't say this. <laughs> Don't say it, George. I know what you're going to say. You shouldn't say it. In case this church ever so, does Yeah, down. suspicion will immediately come my way. So anyway, I'd say that, George, to say I paid attention as best I could. My yep. my questions are going to be super deep. I'm sure they will. No, they're not. They're not. And uh, so I've got enough, I think, that can help me interview you, but just just confessing. Okay. All right. Well, we'll do the best we can. Yeah. I'm over here sucking on a cough drop trying not to cough, so <laughs> this should be a fun Don't, one. Yeah, try not to. I can't I've got to be quick on the the mute button if you do. All right. All right, so we could pull a text up. It's at the very bottom of the page and then I'll flip the page. You start reading verse 7. Okay, yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's okay. Flip, let's flip over to the text. All right, Hebrews chapter 3. Oh, that is at the bottom of there the it is. of the page, huh? All right. Verse 7 and uh Go through chapter four, verse two. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, 
but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. All right. Thank you. Very good. All right. So <clears throat> this is the second warning passage, mm-hmm. as you said. We'll go through it over the next three weeks. Your outline was there is an Old Testament example followed by three admonitions. Yeah. Right. So let's go ahead and just jump in here then. Um, the Old Testament example. So I you I read from in our in our public reading of scripture right. numbers 14. Very mm-hmm. long passage. It was. And yep. uh, that kind of set the background set the background up for what's going on. Yeah. And you referenced also Psalm of David Psalm 95 which yeah. references what happened mm-hmm. in the numbers passage. Right. So kind of summarize the he, the writer of Hebrews brings up this, this historical background of what occurred. Right to set the stage for hearing from God and His Word in the Gospel and how we then can respond either not like this Old Testament example or the warning is, hey, if you do, this is going to be not great. It's not going to be good. It's Mm going to be even worse because you're hearing something better. Right. So set up the Old Testament example for us, and then we'll go through these three admonitions. Yeah, so he's he's quoting from Psalm 95, which is a Psalm of David. Um, we find that out later on in chapter 4, um, that this is as, as David said. Um, what's interesting is that he says here in verse 7, as the Holy Spirit says, mm-hmm. so we have the divine inspiration of the of the scriptures so even though david's the human author it's the holy spirit who's who's talking Mm -hmm. right um so psalm 95 it's uh it's split into two sections uh, verses one through the first part of verse seven is um a call to worship god for who he is and what he has done as israel's redeemer and and shepherd um great god uh the rest of the psalm is is this um, what's what's quoted here in, in Hebrews chapter three? It's a warning um, not to harden your hearts and uh, not not to be like Israel. So the first part, um, the the first um, area is um, verses uh, eight and nine. Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test. Um, this is uh, and the the writer of Hebrews is is translating the. The uh, the Hebrew into Greek here, um, Massa and Meribah, testing and um, uh, test. Uh, it's um, it's referencing Exodus chapter seventeen. Mm-hmm. Israel's just come into the wilderness. Uh, there's no water. They grumble to Moses, and uh, God tells Moses, "Strike this rock, and water will come out, and the children of Israel can drink." And they call it the waters of Meribah and, and Masa, mm-hmm. because this is where Israel grumbled and, and tests God. But uh, the end of the psalm is God saying, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. And that is from Numbers 14, which you read. Mm-hmm. Numbers 14 is when, um, we could have, you could have read a, lo- a lot longer passage. You could have read chapter 13 also. Yeah. You know? um, it's, you know, Moses sends the spies into the land. Mm-hmm. They come back. Ten of them say, well, two of them say, let's do it. <laughs> God's with us. He's given us, he's given these people into our hand. Let's, let's go in. Ten of the spies, they say, 
there's giants in the land. Um, we're like grasshoppers to them. And uh, instead of the people listening to Joshua and Caleb, they listen to the 10 spies and they say, why did God bring us here? It, it would have been better if we would have died in the wilderness than to die here, you know, fighting these giants. And so they rebel. They, uh, they, they refuse to enter the promised land. And so God says, I'll do what you, what you want. For 40 years, you'll wander around in this wilderness till everyone 20 years and older dies. So that's, uh, that's, that's what's going on there. But what's interesting is that in Numbers chapter 20, you know, several, several chapters later, after they refuse to go into the promised land, they're back at the waters of Meribah again. Again, they're thirsty. Again, they grumble. This time, God tells Moses, speak to the rock. But Moses, in his frustration and anger at Israel's constant grumbling, um, he says, how, how, you know, how long are we going to put up with you? Shall, shall we bring water out of this rock? And he hits the rock. Now, God's gracious, and he still gives water to the people of Israel. But Moses has rebelled, and now Moses can't enter the promised land. So really, Psalm 95, it, it kind of summarizes Israel's whole disposition from when they came out of, the, out of Egypt to Moses dying, right. and uh, this, this wilderness generation, they can't enter the promised land. And why? It's because of their sin, because they, they constantly are not believing God. They're believing uh, you know, their thirst. They're believing their hunger. They're believing um, their eyes that see that there's giants, and they're not believing the word of God. And so God says, I swore in my wrath, you shall not enter my rest. They, they harden their hearts um, against God and against his promises. And the author of Hebrews is saying, don't be like them. Don't, don't be like these people who, who God has rescued, and he brings them to uh, you know, the, the border of his rest. And then because of um, difficulties and trials and suffering and opposition, they say, we don't want to go in. Yeah. And so he's drawing this parallel between here's the Old Testament um, situation. It's very similar to yours. Um, as Christians, God has brought us out of slavery and in, re- in, in the redemption that's through Christ. Um, he's promised eternal rest. And then because of trials and difficulties, they're experiencing, um, you know, chapter 10 tells us about their, uh, their, they're having their property confiscated. Some of them are being thrown into prison. And so some of them are saying, because of this opposition, there's giants in the land. Um, we're going to go back. We're going to go back to the Old Testament um, sacrificial system. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's interesting is that the the people of Israel in, in Numbers 14, they want to go back to Egypt. Right. The Christians are being tempted to go back to the Old Testament sacrificial system. And so there's this comparison. Mm-hmm. Like you're not just you're not going back to another way of worshiping God. If you go back, if you reject the full revelation that has been revealed through Christ and the redemption that's found in his blood and go back to animal sacrifices and the priests and the temple, you're not just going back to another way to worship God and it's equally valid. Right. You are essentially going back to Egypt. Yeah. That's that's interesting, mm-hmm. uh, especially for all these you know dispensationalists that want to see a rebuilt temple in Jerusalem. Yeah, the, it for, it sure is because there are a lot that would get really excited about seeing that, and and, yeah. and in one sense, you may say if you want to be like as gracious as possible, which we always should be, 
that's because you know then Jesus is coming back soon. But there's in another sense that would it wouldn't be that way. They're just excited about that the sacrifices and stuff are back, which is weird. Yeah, yeah. You know uh, what I'm saying? Yeah. This wasn't in my sermon for anybody that <laughs> listened to the sermon. I'm like, you didn't talk about this in the this sermon. This is what the podcast is. This for, is what George. the podcast is for: is to to uh, blast dispensationalists. Um, it's uh, it, you know people like Tim LaHaye. He's dead now, but his left behind books are still around. People still read them. I, I think um, they they would say that in you know the millennial kingdom that Christ reinstitutes animal sacrifices, mm-hmm. um, not as uh, not as sin offerings, but as a memorial. Yeah, like historical lessons. As a memorial, um, Christ has already given us a memorial. Right, it's, it's the Lord's Supper. Exactly. <laughs> right. Um, the animal sacrifices—they are—they're no longer the memorial. Yeah, and not just for the record. Not all, not all dispensationalists are the same. Right. There's a there's like a a spectrum of them. Yeah, John MacArthur uh, yeah. is definitely not going to be well. He, he a proponent of yeah. of reinstituting animal. He sacrifices. himself would say he's way on this end. Right. The he says leaky dispensationalists, but the, the, you've got like your old classical uh, yeah. ones that Scof- yeah, Schofield Schofield reference right. Bible guys stuff yeah. like. Uh, though, it's the it, this stuff. The eschatology is interesting to me because. It follows a pattern, like historical patterns. Mm-hmm. Like one will come into popularity, the other will go out of popularity, and then you wait a little bit longer, and the other one reemerges. <laughs> like pre pre uh, pre World War One, post millennialism was huge. Yeah, the two world wars killed post millennialism. It it was it was it really wasn't. There were like advances in Bible like yeah. knowledge. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the emergence of dispensationalism yeah. came, and then now, uh, I think all millennialism has kind of stayed even, maybe. But now there's a reemergence of postmillennialism. Yeah. Yep. A third world war would probably kill that, <laughs> maybe as well. Yeah. So that yeah. The, the, anyway, that's a little sidebar. That's a little action. sidebar. Yeah, yeah. We could talk about eschatology for hours, but um, it, just this this comparison with. Um, Going back to Egypt and returning to the now, Old Testament sacrificial system. What is this, interesting this is, to this me? This is slavery. What's interesting to me is there's good evidence for how early the Bible was written, mm-hmm. and the fact that none of the writers are like, "Hey, you know, uh, it would have been easy for him to be like." Well, the temple got destroyed, right? And uh, <laughs> Jesus talked about that yeah. when he told his disciples, right? And it's come to pass, and that's gone, and mm-hmm. it's not coming back. Yeah. But they never; those <clears throat> arguments aren't made, which means these were written early, right? Pre I mean, AD seventy, right? Um, I mean, even the Gospels, they're there. Jesus is predicting the destruction of the temple, but none of the gospel writers indicate that it has happened, right? Uh, even John, which mm-hmm. is supposedly supposed, you know, he's supposed to have written it in ninety. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't even reference it, so it's interesting. Right, um, but definitely Hebrews. Um, he he acts like temple's still there. Right, uh, animal sacrifices and priesthood—they're still there. They're, they're still a real threat for the for the Christians to go back to. Mm-hmm. Um, he'll he'll say in in chapter eight that that. The, the old covenant is obsolete and it's coming to an end. Um, so he's anticipating 
eighty seventy, but uh, it it hasn't happened yet. You know, it's I don't. It's not funny, but it, it's a, skeptics. Their arguments are always like. Uh, Hebrews was written, you know, a hundred, two hundred years later. It's yeah. put together by collection of whatever. Mm-hmm. Look, look, you don't even know who the author is on this one. Think about like it would be more difficult to pull that off <laughs> yeah. the way Hebrews is written. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's not an explanation. Right. It's written by someone. It's clearly written by someone. Who's alive while the temple is still there? Yeah. And things are still going on. Yeah. Um, who was it? It was maybe Gary DeMar that him or Kenneth Gentry, they said something along the lines of uh you know, the, these biblical authors writing about these topics and not mentioning the destruction of the temple would be like us today talking about the war on terror and not talking about nine eleven. Yeah. Like it's it's that monumental, it's it's that earth shattering. Uh-huh. Um it's unthinkable that the temple has been destroyed by the Romans in fulfillment of Jesus's words. Yeah, and, and they, they they don't they don't mention it happening. Yeah, demolished, melt everything down. Yeah, all the gold gone. Jerusalem has been raised to the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, if we believe Josephus's account, a million a million crucifixions just lining the road, and none of the gospel authors say. Anything about it? Yeah. That's kind of unbelievable, right? 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 Yeah. yeah uh, we're really going off on the. Well, that's what was, it's for, man. I mean, really, like, uh, if you want the sermon, you go listen to the. That's sermon. right. <laughs> we're talking. This is we're talking about the the um, stuff, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, so I mean, we're on the we're on the uh, on the topic. What What do you think about the Book of Revelation? Do you think it's? I mean, almost everyone, almost everyone says this was written. This was written like ninety, right? What do you, what do you think? I can, I don't come down solid yet. Yeah, um, I've gone back and forth on it, so I think there's good arguments that can be made both ways. Yeah, which is why people hold people that are solid right hold to both positions. You'll find some that are pre, some that are written after, yeah. and uh, they're all good. They're good. They make valid good arguments. Yeah. So, um, again, I could see it. I can see old man John. Right. You know, he's knocking on death's door because he's old anyway. Uh, prisoner on this island, which how much work they got out of him? Probably none. <laughs> like, right. what kind of a, I mean, in all, if he didn't have Christ, his life would be absolutely miserable. Yeah. And then I can see this, I can see it, this vision coming to him, and it's the last thing he records. Um, the early church fathers aren't helpful either because some of them talk about him. I think one person even talks about him being exiled twice. Really, um, some of them talk about how he was exiled to Patmos, and then later on he was brought back, and he lived out the rest of his days. Like, how old does this guy <laughs> this guy get? So, they're reco- not they're who, not super helpful. Who records the legend of him being thrown in a pot of boiling oil? Oh, like so. The legend yeah, is I don't remember if he's Eusebius. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if Eusebius talks about that or not. Sentenced to death mm. by Caesar, right? Like. Paul, and instead of cutting his head off, this Caesar's like, let's boil him. Right. That's a very grotesque way to kill somebody. Yeah. So they throw him in this boiling oil or water or something. I think it's oil. Mm-hmm. Nothing happens to him. Right. So they're like, exile in yeah. Patmos. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Who, who recorded that? I don't remember, but I, I'm pretty sure it was supposed to be the Emperor Domitian 
who who did that. It was very so cruel. That, so that would be that would be a later yeah. a later date. And he was and he and he really kicked up the persecution. Very cruel. Well, there's there's debate about that also. You know what's not debatable is uh, you know the emperor on the movie Gladiator. Yeah. Uh, what is his name? Um, he's a real emperor. Well, Marcus Aurelius is the old the old emperor who That's dies. Him, right, he's a real one. Right, and he he, was, he did persecute the Christians. He was not noble. Right, like that is presented in the movie Gladiator. Well, he he wrote he wrote like <laughs> philosophy. Yeah, he's terrible. But he, he persecuted per, yeah, Christians he persecuted the all Christians, over. Right. Yeah. History. All right. Where so, are we? Where? How do we get on this? I don't know. <laughs> Hopefully, but this is beneficial for someone out there. Well, well, I, I'm I, I'm sure it is, or they wouldn't listen, George. Yeah. So <laughs> let's <laughs> let's move in now. You've got your Old Testament examples, right? Example here, which is a pretty it's a pretty stark example. Like, hey, you go back. It's like you wanting to be going back to Egypt, right? And then he moves into three admonitions, then mm-hmm. based off of this warning. And, and the the verse nineteen, the the author here he he says. They were unable to enter this rest because of unbelief. Mm-hmm. So, so they have heard God's promises. They've been they've received God's word at Mount Sinai. They have um, seen his his power. I mean, these are the people who saw the plagues, went through the Red Sea. God has, despite their grumbling, He's provided water. He's provided food, um, the manna. Um, they have seen His power. At Mount Sinai, the they, get to the, they get the, to the pillar of fire, the pillar of fire, the pillar of cloud, and they get to the the border of the promised land, and they hear the report of the giants. They've even I, heard God. They've even heard God at Sinai, and they, yeah. and they trembled, and they said, "You go up and talk to him. It's too scary." Yeah, and they get to the border of the promised land, and they're like, eh, "I don't think God's powerful enough to to <laughs> do this." So strange, yeah. and so they they have unbelief. Now this is the point where Christians like, I wouldn't be like that, right? But the author of Hebrews obviously sees this as a real threat, mm-hmm. um, or a real temptation for for believers, and so he's writing this warning. And so believers, they, well, they seen... need to they need to they need to say, God knows my heart better than I do. <clears throat> I, well, I my heart is deceiving me into thinking that I'd never be like this. And God well, is God is saying, your heart is wicked, and it will deceive you. You need to listen to this warning. Yeah, he's, he's they've seen people. Right, they've left. Yep. They've apostatized. Right. We we have seen people. Most people today that deconstructed. Yeah, that's just the modern term for apostasy. Yeah, that have deconstructed their faith and gone out. Mm-hmm. Um, earlier in their life, if you told them you're going to deconstruct, yeah. they'd be like, no. Right. No way. You know, I've kissed dating goodbye. I'm I'm all deep into the evangelical world. <laughs> you know, I go to passion I go to passion conference and yeah. whatever. Mm. There's no way I'm deconstructing. And here we are, twenty twenty two, people dropping like flies. Right. So take heed the warning. Mm-hmm. So there's three admonitions that are given here now in this text, and they begin in verse twelve. Right. And the first one is you have it as distrust your heart. That's the first admonition. Yeah, I wanted to reword the. I re, I wanted to reword them to kind of get at the the heart of what was being said. Mm. So distrust your heart. Okay. 
which is the opposite of what this world often tells people. Mm-hmm. You know, you're supposed to follow your heart, Jay. Right. What's your heart telling you right now, mm-hmm. Jay? Right. Yeah. Um, but what the the author here is giving is a warning not to trust your don't heart. Trust your don't trust your, your heart. Don't follow your heart because it's it it is bad. <laughs> so he you says, don't do it. He says, take care lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. I'll tell you, I'll tell you about not trusting your heart. My mailman drove by my house about 75 miles an hour last week. Did I tell you about this? Yes. All right. And I was not happy. I yeah. started out real cool. Mm-hmm. I went over to him and started out nice and nice and calm. And then it got, it got escalated very quick. Um, and my unbelieving heart said, pull him out of the van. <laughs> pull him out. You can do it. And I had to say, no, heart. You can't do that. That's the old J. Yeah. That's the old J. Leave him alone. Okay. Um, <coughs> just give him a strong warning that you've got a three-year-old, and he needs to pay attention. Yeah. Don't don't trust your heart, George. Right. If I do that, where would I be at? Where would they take me, Larry? Would they take me to, like, federal jail for... Assaulting a federal agent, and then what they are like federal employees, the mailman. I guess so. I, I don't know. Hard to get you in trouble. Yep. Don't don't trust your heart. The old Jay come up real quick. Thought he was gone. Yeah. <laughs> thought he was thought he was gone, Larry. Yep. There that's he like is. that's like the twenty year old uh, version. <laughs> All right, so take care. Yeah, this that's um the Greek word is um can be translated as watch out. Mm-hmm. It's um it's the same it's the same um it's like an imperative for for seeing. Mm. You need to look look out. Be on your guard. Warning. It's like a flashing warning sign. Um be be on guard lest there be in any of you. Now, again, he's talking to professing believers. He's looking at the church and he's saying, watch out, watch out, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart. This was the problem with Israel. They had evil, unbelieving hearts. And now he's saying to these Christians, watch out. You could could be just like them. And um, it's the same for us in uh, in 20, 21st century America. It's easy for us to say, ah, I'd never be like that. Um, but it it absolutely could happen. Mm-hmm. Absolutely could happen. Um, I, I brought up, you know, a lot of us fall into that trap of what C.S. Lewis calls chronological snobbery. Mm-hmm. We think, you know, these uneducated um, Israelites, of course they're going to be swept away. But me, I'm, you know, I've got a master's degree or I've got a doctorate. I'm, you know, I've got all these these tools around me. I'm I'm not going to be I'm not going to fall away. Mm-hmm. And um it's just not true. I mean, all all that we've done with our modern technology has found new ways to sin. Um I like the illustration you gave. Yeah. You grabbed your phone. Mhm. George grabbed his phone, he held it up, and he said, "Well, in your lesson about chronological snobbery, thinking we're more advanced and better, Mm -hmm. we're not like the old days. And you said, you know, just on my phone right here, I have access to all kinds of 
uh, sexual immorality and pornography. Mm-hmm. And then you gave two more. Uh, the last one I remember, I don't remember the middle one. You can lash out with anger That's it. behind a keyboard. You can be, yeah. You, all you got to do is go to Twitter comments, right? You can be hateful. Uh-huh. And no yeah. one, no accountability either. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. They, they used to call them telephone tough guys. <laughs> do you remember <laughs> that, Larry? You never heard telephone tough guy? Be like, you're a tough guy on the phone. Why don't I come over to your house and see how that's a telephone tough guy? Called keyboard now, warriors. Now, now they're keyboard yeah. warriors. You know? <laughs> right. They'd never say this stuff to you in person. Right. Or maybe you'd never say that in person uh-huh. and then you lash out. Yeah. I like the last one though a lot because <clears throat> I think Christians are really prone to this. Practicing your righteousness in front of everyone. Yeah. Jesus warned about it numerous times. Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, man, people will just post like every religious thing that they do <laughs> right. online. And of course it gets likes and whatever, but it is modern day taking your prayer mat out to the crossroads, throwing it out right. and practicing your righteousness to get praise from men. It's the Instagram post yeah. of, of people taking pictures of their Bible and their quiet time, right? Right. You got your little cup of coffee and you got your Bible and you got your notes. Exactly. Yeah. That is exactly it. Mm-hmm. That's... What Jesus is warning about, and I was actually thinking about that earlier. I was like, "Man, it's going to be a lot of people uh, when we uh, pass into the next world. They're going to find out they've forfeited a lot of their rewards because yeah. they've got the you know the praise of men from using right. it. But it's so sneaky. Yeah, that's the that's the dangerous part of it, <laughs> right? Because your heart will tell you." That it's probably right. It's good. Yeah. You're setting a good example, or yeah, you're, whatever. Encourage, you're encouraging yeah. people. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, yeah, we have to take care. We have to be, watch yeah, out. Yeah, open your eyes, and you gotta you gotta distrust your heart because mm-hmm. if you don't, you will have an evil, unbelieving heart that will yeah. creep up and it will deceive you with all kinds of false emotions and ideas, and um, you're you will just naturally fall into following your heart. Right. And your heart is going to lead you into ruin. Uh-huh. That's what happened with the Israelites, and that's what's going to happen to um, these unwatchful it happens, professing Christians. It happens a lot in our world today when it comes to like um, sexual sin or sexual ethics, because yeah. that's the way the culture has turned so quick. Just in the past 20 years, it's change so fast, even just in the past five. But the temptation is for people to say that um, where they once may have held strongly to biblical teachings on mm-hmm. these things, right? because whatever circumstances happen in their life, yeah. they may, they may um, and I mean, pastors do, they do this in America, and it's in front of everyone blatantly, right? Yeah, we've, ta- like, we've talked about this when a pastor's child comes out as a, a homosexual, the pastor all of a sudden. Right. Oh, well, after careful research and study. Right. They follow uh, their homosexual, heart. homosexual in the New Testament, that word is not translated correctly. Yeah. You know, <laughs> right. you've got um, people that uh, are not qualified to be pastors mm-hmm. that are qualified, that they say, hey, you know, I'm following my heart in here. And like, <laughs> right. well, you don't meet the biblical qualifications to be yeah. a pastor. But their heart tells them it's true, and so mm-hmm. they must, you know, they do it. Or divorce and remarriage, um, adultery. Yeah. This stuff happens because people follow their heart, and then they justify it, and they yeah. force their heart into, like, uh, God understands, yeah. you know. And next thing, But the next thing you know is it starts that way, 
the next thing you know, they've just left the faith completely. Yeah. Right. Yeah, this this um this is not a light warning. Watch out, take care, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. Mm-hmm. That that word is apostatize, leading you to apostatize away from God. Mm-hmm. Like this we we don't think that this is where our sin's going to lead us. Right. We think it's just an innocent sin. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just a one time thing or I can manage it. I can have I have it under control. Um this this will uh, if you're if you're not on guard against this, it will lead you to apostatize. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so the, your next admonition is that we should be counseling and exhorting one another. Yeah. Where do you where do you see this? Uh verse 13 um but exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Um, I translate, uh, you know, I, I wanted to, I, I presented it as counsel one another because that word exhort is the same word that it's the, it's the verbal form of the title given to the Holy Spirit in John 14, 15, and 16. Mm-hmm. I will send another counselor or mm-hmm. another helper. Right. Uh, I debated whether to just uh, have this point say disciple one another mm-hmm. because that's what, that's what we're supposed to do. That, that's, okay. that's all, that's all counseling is is we're mm. discipling mm. one another um we're supposed to watch out for one another so watch out for yourself but also watch out for one another um be uh the the word is um you could literally translate it as as come up alongside somebody uh that's what we're supposed to do for one another we're supposed to come up alongside mm. each other yeah lest there be uh, someone who is um, hardened by the de- the deceitfulness of sin again, distrust your heart, right? Because sin is deceitful. It it doesn't come to you in its blatant naked form. Mm-hmm. Um, I I use the illustration of the the adulterous woman in Proverbs chapter five. Yeah. Her her lips drip honey, mm. and her words are are like oil. Sounds pretty good, right? Until you recognize that. She's actually as bitter as wormwood, mm. and her feet are actually leading to Sheol. Right. Yeah. But that's not how it's presented, right? And yeah, it never is. Yeah. Um, I mean, you you just walk through Proverbs. The first seven chapters are filled with Solomon warning his son against the adulterous woman, and and the last one I think is the one where he he says, "I saw a, a guy who was walking down the road by the adulteress's house." She comes out and says, "Hey, come in. I've, you know, I've washed and new sheets, and my husband's out of town for for weeks, and we can just satisfy our our cravings." And he he's led like this. It's presented like this this lamb to the slaughter. Like he's enticed by this this sin, but he doesn't realize that she's actually leading him to death. Mm-hmm. That that's all sin. That's what all sin does. Yeah. It it deceives us. It 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 presents us with this false picture of of satisfaction and it's not hurting anybody and no one's going to find out and it's not going to affect me. It's just a lie. Mm-hmm. It's just a lie. And it leads to a hardening of the heart. So sin deceives you and it leads you to 
a place that you never never thought you'd go. Yeah. Um, I use the illustration of Play-Doh. Right. Now my kids say, take out the Play-Doh, doesn't all, all get back in. What do you find a few days later? You find like these little hard balls of Play-Doh, right? Yeah, yeah. But that doesn't happen immediately. Right. Like if you, I if, like that illustration. If you, fa- if you found that, you know, the Play-Doh illustration. If you if you found it, you know, thirty minutes later, it'd probably still be soft. But give it a, a couple of hours, and it starts to harden. And, yeah. and um, my wife, she said, you know, sometimes you you put that hard piece back in yeah. to the Play-Doh, right? You mm-hmm. kind of cover it with the soft. <laughs> but even though there might still be some soft, there's. Uh, there's some hard too mm-hmm. right uh, that's what that's what sin is like it doesn't happen all at once right you're not hardened all at once yeah you give in to a little sin well that sin didn't affect anything it didn't it didn't do any damage so i'll do it again right and then you do it again and you do it again and eventually you're you're drifted away like the warning in chapter two says we have What's, to be care yeah. careful lest we drift away um, it doesn't happen all at once. It happens little by little, and eventually, you're you don't even know where you are anymore. But what's the worst part of it is when your heart is hardened. You don't care anymore. Yeah. You, don't, you don't care that you've drifted that far. You, yeah. you don't even you don't even realize that um, I started out orthodox, and now I'm over here LGBTQ affirming, mm-hmm. and I don't even know how I got here. But I don't really care because. And, this is what my heart is telling me is right. And it's it can happen. It, this happens in so many different ways, the deceitfulness of sin. And that's that's why it's so uh dangerous. Yeah. because um, you're you're always prone to think there's no way for me to get to get uh to fall prey like that. Yeah. Just kind of thinking about this lady that I've known for a while. Um she helps in Lawton with uh with women who are recovering drug addicts but she just uh, she grew up in church uh like a stay-at-home mom and she started taking i might have been adderall to do like mom tasks uh-huh. and you know if you don't need that and you take it you got like insane energy so She's doing all that stuff. Well, eventually, it kind of wears off. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't, she didn't really even tell me how the first time she ever took meth, but mm. she started out. She'd take meth, and she'd think, "Okay, well, I'm not. I won't become an addict. I, there's right. no way I can. I've got too much control of myself." Right. And she said, "Next thing you know, yep. uh, I'm breaking into houses. Wow, stealing people's stuff mm. so I can get more. Yeah, because it's expensive habit. You know. Right. And uh yeah, and, and, and you would before it happened, right? You would never say because you just think about the stay-at-home moms <coughs> that we've got in our church. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, a little, I just need a little energy. Just yeah, little you Adderall. just sin always takes you places that you never thought you would go. Mm-hmm. That's that is um, that's not original to me, but it's true. <laughs> whoever whoever originally said that, it's true. Sin will always take you where you don't, you never thought you would go. I mean, you you can look at David. All he started out doing is not going to war. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to stay at home. I'm going to let Joab deal with this one. Then he sees he sees a woman. Um, then he asks about her. Then he brings her into his house, commits adultery. Next thing you know, he's murdered her husband. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like that's not where that's not where he was thinking it would go. Mm-hmm. But that's where sin 
led him to go. And we can think we can think of areas in our own life where, you know, a little, you know, quote unquote, little sin right. led to a big sin. So then, how how would you uh, how to practice this then? How do you obey this to exhort one another? Well, you, you can't go Lone Ranger, right? You can't be this isolated Christian. You have to be around other believers. That's that's the whole point of this verse. Exhort one another. Mm-hmm. Um, you you are not going to make it alone. You right. have to have other other believers around you, right? Yeah, that's why this time, particular time, is pretty dangerous. Um, internet church, right? Yeah, right. You can't really do this online. Like, you know, you're not you're not metaverse avatar yet online, which is coming, right? Uh, where you're where you go online and you're in virtual reality and people see like yeah. a cartoon representation of you, right? But if all you are is online church, yeah. People don't present <coughs> online who they are. Yeah. Like truly, you're only going to get like, you got a little cough coming. Yeah. You got any more of them cough drops? You good to go? Got quite a few, yeah. There you go. And people don't, people aren't true to who they are. Like they don't represent it. Right. You can hide everything. If you're yeah. just online church, mm-hmm. you can't follow the commands that are given in scripture on how to live as a Christian Yeah, with other Christians. You can't really exhort one another. Um, you can't. You can't obey this. This is anticipating chapter ten, where he says that um, we're not to neglect meeting together, as is the habit of some. Right. So already there are. I mean, you can imagine. Um, they're probably not in hiding yet. People probably know that's the house where a church meets, and uh, you're seen going there. Mm-hmm. Well, now you're on the list. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so some people to avoid that are not going anymore. Right. They're isolating themselves. Um, Solomon says in Proverbs that the the one who who isolates himself, um, I think the is is uh, breaks out against all knowledge. Okay. Um, the person who thinks that they can go it alone. You are rejecting wisdom. Mm-hmm. You're not a wise person. Right. You're not a wise person. No, no, you're not. Yeah, I always think about when I think about like that having uh, for people who may not be familiar with this type of, of thing. Um, when I was going through artillery school, there was a, there was a group of three of us, and we were real tight. Uh, we're still friends to this day. And artillery school is really hard because it has a, there's a lot of math and stuff that's involved. You got to learn to calculate gunnery manually in case the computers go down, and it's just terrible. For six months, your life is kind of terrible. And uh, but because we were together all the time, like these guys even lived at my house. Um, we lived in an apartment together, and Drake was little. Drake was like two years old, and so we'd always be up. The accountability was there. So if anybody, there was no way anybody could slip. Because if you start to slip, be like, hey, no, no, man, you, you got to get back in this because if you don't, you're not going to make it. Um, but there were other people in our class who tried to do it by themselves. They were lone rangers yeah. for whatever reason. You know, maybe their personalities. No good. Didn't go well. Did not go <coughs> well for them. Yeah. Uh, so I kind of think about that in the mm. in the church. 
right? If if you're if you're actually involved in church, like you're not the kind of person that just like pops in and is like, hey, yeah, it's good to be here. See you later. <laughs> um, the same type of thing happens when you, I don't know if you can think back to the people you know who have kind of left the faith, but the ones I can think of that have the first thing that happened is that they isolated themselves from everyone else. Mm. So I think as pastors, if pastors are listening, uh, or elders, lay elders even at our church, you got to be aware, like, who in our church has begun to isolate themselves? Because that's the first step. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That always is. Uh, and then the rest follows. Right. Yeah, I use the, um, I use the illustration of, of Christian in Pilgrim's Progress um, going on the road to the celestial city. He has people that come alongside him. And if if it wasn't for others, he would have he would have failed. Um, but my wife said I could have used the illustration of uh, the Lord of the Rings. Oh yeah, with yeah. Sam and Frodo. That's perfect. You know, Frodo is is trying to get to Mount Doom to destroy the the Ring of Power. And if it hadn't been for the people around him, if it hadn't been especially for Sam, there's no way. Yeah, he's like carrying him at the end. Yeah. Um, so we we need those those people around us. We cannot. I mean. In America, we love that idea of the lone hero who's standing against the world. In reality, that just isn't the case. Mm-hmm. You you can't do it, right? You can't do it, right? That's right. All right. So the third admonition is that we are to reverence the gospel. This starts in chapter four. That's the call. Then is the admonition to reverence the gospel. We are to pay attention. And there is uh, kind of a comparison of warning then too, right? Yeah. 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 Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear. That's Mm. where I got the word reverence. Mm -hmm. Um, It's the word phobia. And we need to have uh, that. And that can translate as as fear, as in I'm scared of something, or it could be reverence or awe. Um, we should fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. So um, good news came to um, Israel. Yes. Um, they received God's promises. Good news has come to us. Uh, not everyone who heard the good news in the Old Testament was able to enter into God's rest. Not everyone who hears the good news today in the gospel will enter into God's rest either. So we need to fear lest anybody who hears it fails to enter into God's rest. Mm. Um, so we've got this, this again, the, the comparison between Israel and, and the church. Um, there's debate as to uh, um, how much of the good news, how much of the gospel was given to Israel in the Old Testament. Um, I would say that the uh, even though they were they had the the types and shadows, it was hidden behind the types and shadows of the the, the tabernacle and the priest and the animal sacrifices. The substance was still there. They still were looking forward to um, a Messiah who would come mm-hmm. and, and save them from their sins. Uh, but they're given the same the same promises: a blessing, of peace, of rest, of being in a relationship with God. All those things are are given to them. They're they're it's open to them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hidden behind the the types of you know the promised land, but 
um, it's still there. Right. The the content is still there, and they felt a they felt to enter because of unbelief. Right. We are given the fullness of God's revelation. The types and shadows have been dispelled with the reality of of Christ and who he who he is and what he has done. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to fear lest anybody be presented with this even better <laughs> good news mm-hmm. and fail to reach it. Right. Fail yeah. to reach um, God's rest. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I said we need to have a phobia <laughs> against apostasy, the, the same way someone might might be afraid of heights or of snakes mm-hmm. or sharks. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> uh, we need to be afraid lest there be anyone that falls away and, mm-hmm. and doesn't enter into God's rest. Mm-hmm. Um, because they were not believing. They they. They heard the message. There's a there's a textual variant here um, in verse two. Um, you can see it in the in the ESV. It says that um, the the message or the word that they heard did not benefit them because and here's the here's where the textual variant is. Uh, they were not united by faith with those who listened, mm-hmm. or it could it could say um, that. The it didn't meet with faith in the people who heard the message, mm-hmm. so it could be that um, it didn't benefit them because they didn't have faith, or it could mean that it didn't benefit them because they didn't have faith, like Joshua and Caleb. Right. Same. It's the same meaning, um, but the wording is it's a little difficult to mm-hmm. to translate exactly what's going on. But the the main the main point is. Um, they heard it, but they didn't believe it. So just hearing the gospel is not enough. Um, and I, I think here we can we can point out to a lot of nominal Christians um, in our churches. They hear the message. They may even um, you know walk an aisle or say a prayer or or even join a church. But unless you actually believe it, it's not going to benefit you. Mm-hmm. You're you're not going to enter into God's rest. And how is it demonstrated that you actually believe? You persevere. Mm-hmm. You hold on to it. Right. Um, how was how were Joshua and Caleb's faith demonstrated? Well, let's go in and let's kill these giants. Right. God is with us. He's given them into our hand. He's promised. He's promised the land to us. Mm-hmm. Let's go take it. Right. So they had faith, and they demonstrated that faith by. By their obedience, mm-hmm. uh, but the rest of the people, they heard they heard the same message. They heard the same promises. They they heard that God would go before them and He would He would drive out the people, uh, but they didn't they didn't believe it. Yeah, this theme is <coughs> characteristic of who God's people are. Um, there's always a believing re- believing remnant, and you see this in Habakkuk when you come to Habakkuk. Yeah. Um, which is referenced numerous times in the New Testament. It's going to be referenced in in Hebrews. The just will live by Mm -hmm. faith. Yep. And that's brought up in the prophecy about absolute doom and destruction. Yeah. And that's always what, in the end, the difference between uh, someone who has just merely heard 
and made some type of public profession and those who heard and actually believed is that when things get things get bad yeah that is like god's winnowing fork right he throws he throws the grain in the air the chaff is blown away mm-hmm. by the furnace of affliction yeah and his his <clears throat> believing remnant you know is what remains yeah i also was thinking about it this morning that um you know the reason Another reason why, and we see it later in, in chapter four, that they didn't enter because of their dis, dis, their disobedience. Uh, they love their sin. They love their sin. And we see that in their wilderness, wilderness wanderings. After God swears in his wrath, you're not going to enter my rest. They don't repent. Uh, they actually try to enter the land without God. They're like, oh, we're so sorry. We'll go in tomorrow. And Moses is like, don't do it. God's not with you. And so Moses and the Ark of the Covenant, they stay in the camp and the rest of the people go out and they, they just get their heads handed to them uh-huh. <laughs> by the, the Canaanites. Um, as they're wandering around, they're still grumbling, they're still complaining. Uh, Aaron and Miriam, they rebel against Moses. Uh, Korah and some other leaders, they rebel against Moses. Uh, they call the manna worthless. All we got is this worthless, this worthless manna. Yeah. Uh, that's when God sends the the serpents. Snake, yeah. <laughs> um, you've got uh, you got Balaam. He uh, he shows uh, he shows Balak, the king of Moab, how to how to defeat Israel. And so uh, they're enticed and they commit sexual immorality with the Moabite women and they start worshiping Baal. Like all of this happens after God says you can't enter into the promised land. Right. So they haven't they have not they haven't repented. They just continue in their sin because they love their sin. They love their sin. They they do not treasure. They don't treasure Christ. Yeah. Um, and so they fail to enter God's mm-hmm. rest. And um, the same danger, the same threat, is uh, it's here. It's today. You you like you said. You can see people who have um, they've fallen into this. They uh, they've fallen away. Mm-hmm. So there's there's this warning, and it's a real warning. It's a real threat for Christians. We need to heed the warning, but um, we don't have to be left in despair because we have the promises throughout the scripture. Even here, um, we'll get to it at the end of the warning. We still have that that hope that none of God's people will will perish. Mm-hmm. Um, Christ Christ is a powerful Savior. He is able to to help His people right. in the midst of even the the harshest of temptations. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, uh, George. Looking forward to the next two as we continue on with this idea of the warning pass, second warning passage. Looking forward to seeing where the text takes us and how we can apply that to our lives. Hopefully this has been beneficial to you uh, today. And if it has been, please like, subscribe, and share it with your friends. And it is our hope, as always, that this has helped you to become more and more conformed to Christ. See you next time.